Welcome to Horror Dads, episode 51. This is Jamie. I'm joined by my trusty sidekick, John. Speaking of sidekicks, what are we talking about today, man? Sidekicks! We're going to cover horror sidekicks. So We're actually just going to talk about the Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> Jonathan Brandis, rest in peace, <laughs> love you, bro. Uh, from the original uh, It miniseries. No, but we're, we're actually going to talk about the... The uh, the second stringer, the the backup, the the number two. We're going to talk about the lesser uh, recognized and underrepresented, but sometimes they steal the show. You know, dude, they're necessary. They are necessary. A lot of times, our main protagonists would not uh, be alive. Yeah, be, wouldn't be alive. They wouldn't make the progress that they do. Sometimes they they don't make it. Um, but yeah, these these uh, supporting characters are critical to the story. Uh, so I think Jamie and I have a good mix. Um, we're going to do a top 10. We're just going to pick five. And we're going to talk about uh, these sidekicks. And some of them are um, sidekicks like, oh, man, I want that person near me. And some of them are just really good uh, characters that uh, really aren't good people, but well yeah. acted and well written. So this is going to be a fun one. Now, are yours all uh, sidekicks that are like on the good side? No. Or do you have some bad I've got some baddies. Yeah. Yeah. Some bad kicks. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, uh, do you want to do our intro stuff before we start talking about sidekicks? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it, man. I feel like it's been a minute since it's just been you and I. I, uh, I felt the same way. Dude. I woke up uh, the other day and I was like, hey, when's the last time we recorded? I mean, it's been, you know, I think a week and a half since we've we've actually recorded, but uh, October was crazy, um, you know, with the kids and the families and just getting ready for Halloween uh, and all the podcast commitments. So I feel yeah, really like, was. yeah, I feel like I've been able to catch up on some like stuff I've been deferring watching. So what have you been watching anything fun? So uh, the same like after Halloween, I kind of went on this like movie strike. Um, just didn't watch any movies. Yeah, just like I started watching shows and. I just wore your robe a break. And, and with an eye mask upstairs at all hours. Of yeah, the day. just like a <laughs> heating pad on my stomach and feeling sad. Yeah. Um, but no, I've been watching Squid Game. Oh, what do you think of it? Dude, it is something. It I, is I've not something. seen one. I feel like I don't have a desire to watch it. Should I, I watch it? I didn't really either. My wife and yeah, I were like, let's watch this together. Um, if I can try to angle in like a horror type show with her, then I'm going to do it, you know? And the hype was there, so, like, she bought in. And, uh, yeah. Is it, like, Battle Royale or no? It's very much in the same vein. Um, But instead of it being one thing, it's broken down into several different games. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So it's, like, a group of people that all have to kind of compete for this big pot of money. uh, But you have to do that by competing in these really fucking dangerous, (laughs) dangerous games. So it's, like, Battle Royale meets Saw. Sure. The, somewhere around, like as you watch it, you'll you'll notice parallels to all sort of different. Spoken as a person that's not even watched the trailer yet. Yeah, but uh, I I highly recommend it. I think you'll dig it. Cool. And Brittany would one hundred percent love that because she loves the disturbing side of shit. So. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So. Anything else recently you want to mention that you've been uh, watching? You know what I've been throwing on in the background um, is the In Search of Darkness movies. One and two, you know, the oh, the yeah. documentary, yeah. whatever it's a you documentary, want to call it. Yeah. yeah, on 80s horror, which yeah. is just you and I. I. I haven't watched the second one, uh, 
yet. Oh, but. it's just more of the same. And everyone's pretty much wearing the same clothes, so you can tell it was just one big session that they broke down into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Over the past 15 years, we've done extensive research. <laughs> right. It's amazing. The movies are like, I don't think there's an 80s movie that they, I, I think there's a third one coming out too. And yeah, I think um, there is. It's like if a movie was made in the 80s, I think they're going to touch on it. So it's pretty cool. Oh, man. Awesome. Um, well, so I finally finished Midnight Mass. Um, oh, yeah. Holy shit. I felt like I needed uh, some therapy after finishing that. It's very, very heavy, uh, but super well thought out. After uh, wrapping that up, though, I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't watched Bly Manor yet. I'm going to jump into it. Um, and talking to a buddy, uh, she mentioned it as well. She was like, look, oh, I can't believe you haven't watched Bly Manor yet. Yeah. So I jumped into Bly Manor, and I just, uh, that, you know, I, I haven't finished it yet, but it's just, it's not, I don't feel like it's not that scary. No, I didn't get fear. Like, Hill House is scary. Yeah. Uh, full of jump scares. He went a different direction on this one. Yeah, so I'm not as into that, but I'm still, you know, still working through. And it's a good story. Yeah, I feel like if I, if I started talking about Midnight Mass at episode three or four, I might have had a similar perspective as I do now with Blind Manor. So totally, I'm going to get through it, and then I'll have a more comprehensive. Uh, yeah, those uh, those first two episodes of Midnight Mass, it was like this is good, but I just w- kind of want to get to where we're going. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you get it. No, I get it. What are you uh what are you wearing over there, man? Oh dude, sporting our boys toxic coffin today. Let me see it. Unzip. Oh, the zip. The night of the comet. One of my favorite shirts, one see. of my favorite movies, and I figured it was only fitting because uh we're doing sidekicks and these this was a runner up on my list, two of my favorites. Oh also in when I'm watching In Search of Darkness, this movie came up today. And um I feel like it's so weird because as I'm watching it, whenever a movie that I love, like Fright Night, I'm like, yes, like fist pumping. Like, there it is. Well represented. It's like watching your kid hit a home run. You're like, yes, I knew you'd do it. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I've got on my uh, brand new shirt I bought from our buddy Matt Pepler, uh, who we're going to be with uh, next week in Chicago. Uh, but it's my stay spooky shirt. Um, it's got some some remnants of the original um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, artwork from the cover. So it's a really cool uh, design that's available on his shop. So I have that on. Uh, Love that. And I've got my Everyday's Halloween uh, hoodie behind my back too because it's that time of year where it's like 68 degrees and 41 degrees in the same day. So you go from hot to cold pretty quick. Definitely. This November feels like uh, October. So Halloween vibes out there. So I, I haven't been watching this, but I've been reading it. Um, I've been reading Christine. Oh, book. nice. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that took place in Pittsburgh. What's about, uh, you been buying anything, man? I have not, actually, since uh, Halloween. I don't think I have yet. Going on a little purchase uh, strike? That's not even that. I just kind of... Uh, we got Black Friday coming up, so I'm sure yeah. we'll be uh, spending some couple bucks on some stuff. But uh, It's tough, because with this podcast, we feel like because of that segment... Yeah. We feel like we have to buy stuff every time. And um, this now time our, I was like, ah. Now our kids won't go to college. Yeah, it's fine. So no big deal. I don't need to buy something. You're welcome, everybody. I did snag today um, some Christmas ornaments, actually, from an independent artist. Um, so I think her name's Erin Cormaniac. And I believe she did the artwork for Killer Pinata, the new Killer oh, Pinata. Nice, yeah. 
so we've been following her on on Instagram, and her uh, handle is uh, hard dot cormaniac uh, with with a K, uh, not a C. And her stuff's amazing. Um, she's a really great illustrator, and she's one of those people that's like an actual like an artist, not a person that can like you know, effectively manipulate graphics. Like she's she can draw with her hand kind of deal. Um, so she made these custom it, uh, ornaments. I think it was a pack of three. So I picked those up today and I'm super pumped and, uh, I hope you guys check her out. And I also got, um, again, we don't like talking about this too much. Um, but, uh, I did get a, I got a new tattoo and I got it for my kids. Oh yeah. So I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. And I got it from David Slobodnik, who's been on the podcast in the past. And, um, he and I came up with this pretty rad design. Um, which is these like two like little little girl children holding hands and um one of them has a a, a shark's head and one of them has a, a moon's a moon head um for my kids for Finley and, and Luna. So awesome. Love the way it turned out. He's amazing and I'm super pumped about this. Uh so speaking of family, any family relevant stuff you want to mention before we get into our episode here? Dude, you and I, last weekend, we watched football. We watched the Green Bay game at like 4.15, 4.25, whatever the fuck time those games come on. And uh, you and I played Horrified, right? That board game. Yes, we uh, did. That was my first time ever playing. You and I just kind of nerded out in there, watched football and played that game while my wife took care of the kids. And that game's and pretty cursing tough, at us. Um, by the way. And I feel like we rallied through like four four games pretty quick yeah i feel like the monsters and that were like ah these goddamn horror dads nerds keep, keep defeating us and uh ghoulish gary pullen who is another amazing artist that we love um i believe did a considerable amount of artwork for that game yeah he did and the artwork's so so awesome it's this oh, game. That board get oh. me in that board man it's a it's all about the universal monsters and it has this focus on um saving villagers and accomplishing missions and fighting uh, you know, Dracula and, and the mummy, Bride Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Uh, Wolfman. So, oh, it's, it's so good. It's a really fun game. So if you've not uh, played that, definitely check it out. Yeah. You've been saying that for years. Our buddy, um, <laughs> our buddy Chris over, said he snagged it at target or something and hasn't played it yet. And I was like, Oh, cool. And he's like, I, I heard you guys, he said, I heard you talking about it so fondly. Like I had to get it. And yeah. Uh, try and bully some family members into playing around the holidays. And with that coming up, you know. Good luck with that setup. It takes some time. It's a lot so, of fucking pieces. Chris or anybody else, uh, just text me. I'll walk you through it. Actually, FaceTime me because I'm going to have to talk about it for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was that was going to be my family antic, too. I, oh, gotcha. Yeah, it was a fun, fun day. Uh, that was last Sunday. We had the... Post Halloween depression going on. Um, it was the day after our Halloween party, uh, which was last Saturday, which was a really fun time. Uh, we had a, a bunch of friends over. Um, Jamie dressed up as Billy from from Stranger Things. Looked awesome. I dressed up as the uh, the Driller Killer from Slumber Party Massacre. Our buddy came dressed as Snake Plissken. Um, my wife was Casey Becker from Scream. She looked great. Uh, your wife was Mrs. Wheeler. Yeah, right? we did the, yeah. so I was Billy and she was Mrs. Wheeler. Yep. Yeah. So it was a really fun time. So Sunday it's was so fun. Sad day. You actually helped me take down my Halloween decorations yeah. too. Yep. Um, and then Halloween weekend was great because my son had that big birthday party. Yeah. 
We had the fire pit going. I oh, dressed dude. up as I wore my Michael's Michael Myers mask out, scared all the kids. So your youngest son, by the way. Yeah. Not to tell your story for you, but I was part of this program. Yeah, you were there. So your youngest son was in on this, coming mm-hmm. out dressed up as Michael Myers. He helped you get your accessories. Right. He <clears throat> carried the speaker out playing the theme song from Halloween. You ran out, scared all the kids. Everyone was running around screaming. I have a video of it. It's hilarious. And then you went inside and changed and came back out. And he looked at you in front of all of us and said, Dad, Michael Myers was here. <laughs> and you were like, no, buddy, you just helped. Like, that, that was me. I, you, you were here. And he was like, okay, Dad. But Michael Myers, he was here. He was so excited. Yeah, he was pretty pumped. Loves him. Yeah. Um, so a couple things to note before we jump in, um, just want to plug that we did just do a brand new merch design pre-order has ended. Um, those were are probably going to ship, uh, hopefully middle of this coming week, uh, depending on when we get our shipment in. Uh, but we will have some, um, designs of that, uh, of, of that new design in stock uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks in our shop. So keep an eye out for that. Our existing designs are available there. So if you go to horrordads.com and want to get some merch, you can do that today. We need to get some new merch too. Yeah, we're working on it. Let us know if there's something that you want, like a koozie or I don't know, a like bean. a mouthpiece, <laughs> like a horror dad's mouthpiece. That'd be cool, right? For flag football or yeah. what, why? Yeah, football. <laughs> um. We also have a Patreon. Uh, we've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier on our Patreon. Uh, so please feel free to uh, check into that. And we've got a bunch of great content. We have our wives on frequently and we do bonus episodes. Yeah, we on, do giveaways. Yeah, uh, giveaways and, and uh, a bunch of stuff. Um, we also want to mention uh, a new film coming out called The Deep House. Um, so this is an underwater horror film called The Deep House. It's... It's available now on, on digital and on demand, and it's about a young couple that sets out to explore a house, which is at the bottom of a lake, and they discover a sinister presence, um, and the whole thing's about whether or not they can escape the underwater house of horrors before it's too late. You can either buy or rent that. Um, it's called The Deep House today uh, to find out if they escape, uh, and that's from Paramount Pictures, so definitely worth checking out. Um, Anything else we need to mention before we get in, or you want to get at it? Shit, I think we should go. All right. Go time. And you know what? Our segue, we're going to hear from a couple of our friends before we totally get into it. Hi, this is Mikey. And this is Maddie. And we are the Alone in the Dark podcast. Join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five theme podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember, you're never really alone in the dark. All right, sidekick, let's get chopping here. Who do you need? Uh, who do you need killed? <laughs> so, I mean, 
did you was this tough for you or did you immediately know like okay these are my sidekicks no i had i wrote down a huge list i i had a shitload too i had to whittle it down yep um and then once you kind of gave me your list i could chip away some of the ones that were you know repeats yeah you were using some verbs in that that text conversation you were having whittle you used whittle whittle down my list chip yeah i'll do that scrape off yeah shuck smooth creamy oh god all right so well, you want to just follow you back and forth and yeah do, do it from there let's do it all right you want to start i will go first yeah well, i'm gonna go, go first, with man. uh i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go chronological okay yeah uh so we're gonna go to 1984's chud beneath the city of new york are living catacombs an endless maze of subterranean tunnels unfit for anything human unauthorized for anything experimental hold it there's something moving up ahead at the top and unlikely to bring anyone down there so yeah my sidekick is the rev the reverend Played this, by Daniel Stern. Okay, I was going to say, is this Daniel Stern's yep. curly, wonderful face? Wearing the sweatiest, smelliest, <laughs> oh, shittiest gray shirt you've ever seen. And by the way, the shirt that uh, our main character wears, that like blue cutoff, <laughs> which he has on like 50% of the movie. <laughs> that guy is your dad. Dude, my dad had that same shirt. Like, yes. Much like uh, uh, he also had Chevy Chase's shirt in Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. But yeah. go ahead. Let's talk about Rev. He's got the same build as him in that movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Rev runs the most run-down, dirtiest, shittiest soup kitchen this side of Manhattan. Um, yeah. He kind of take cares of, takes care of the, uh, you know, the homeless population that lives both above ground and underground in the tunnels. Um, where, you know, people are suddenly disappearing. His flock, as you want to call them. Yeah, he's sort of the ambassador. Yeah. Yeah, he takes care of him. You know, like at, at the one point, uh, the captain of the police department comes down to help investigate these missing persons. And uh, one of the homeless women says to the reverend, got a gift for you, Rev. Yeah. And uh, it's a, like a, a flower that she picked for him, you know. Uh, but yeah. a sweet little moment just kind of shows that uh, the Rev is somebody who, <clears throat> you know, cares about this homeless population. And uh, he looks out for him. He takes care of him, takes care of them. And uh, I don't know, man, this guy is the highlight of the film for me, uh, just kind of his attitude. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to be a rough dude who runs a soup kitchen, right? Yeah. And he doesn't really command respect. He just kind of no, he just gets it like, yeah, innately sort of gets it based mm-hmm. off his his actions. And you can tell by his like commitment to to diving into this whole fucking like, oh, they're cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Yeah. OK, let's. uh. Yep. We're going to go ahead and confront this problem head on. Um, but I guess when you're living underneath the subway, you know, you can't believe anything. Yeah. So he leads the investigation here. He calls a police department. Um, they send down a captain who he's had run ins with before. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, Rev. Got in yeah. trouble with yeah, you <laughs> yeah. again, huh? Um, so he, you know, him and this cop, and then our photographer buddy, John Hurd, they. Those three essentially are the three that are doing the main investigating down there and uncovering what's going on, which turns out to be some sort of toxic waste dump going on down there in the sewers, uh, which leads to these uh, 
toxic Avenger type creatures. Yeah. The this, Chuds. This is a uh this this is a great film, honestly, man. Yep. Um I've got a one of our favorites, you and I. Yeah. A great relationship with this movie, and I love the whole undertone of 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 him of that specific character kind of like running um not the resistance necessarily, but like the counterculture. Uh, that's not taken seriously because of their, you know, their social status. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Uh, but they're also the ones that kind of embrace because they're on the front lines and they're like, no, sure. we're the ones fucking dealing with this. And, and part of the story is kind of justifying, uh, Hey, this is a real thing that's happening. And then John Hurd, who's our like middle-class guys, sort of the conduit to like connect the, yeah, connect to, and, and create gravity and reality for it. So, uh, but yeah, this character is so, so great. Cause he does run that counterculture. And I love when they go in and they meet with like the, it's the NRC, the nuclear regulatory commission and like the mayor and you know, the <laughs> yeah. EPA, people like that. And he's in there with this fucking sweat stained shirt. Yeah, he's wearing that shirt the whole time. Carrying yeah. like a plastic bag with photos, making <laughs> threats. It's like, get out of here, guy. This guy's from Youngstown. Yeah. yeah. But no, he, he kills it. He does his job. And you know what? With the soup kitchen, he also does deliveries. There's people that are too scared to come out from underground. They're scared yeah. of what, uh, you know, is above ground. Yeah. And so, you know, which is funny because you have these people that are scared of what's underground, but you have these people that live underground that are scared of... What's up top? Uh, normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's <clears throat> frequently lost on this movie because it's like, oh, this is a schlocky, you know, like grunge uh which it is yeah street trash sort of it is a very trashy like that soup kitchen i feel yeah. like a place doesn't exist that dirty like they had to make it dirty you know yeah they're like hey get the uh god damn well who knows? people eating like the one guy had like his roll sitting on the table and i was like guy get that on your plate put that on a napkin please. but i i do feel though it's interesting and there's there's way more like we were just talking about social commentary to this movie, then I think Definitely. it gets credit for, uh, yeah. which is why I think you and I like it so much. Uh, there's some depth to it and the monsters look great. Um, do they do look great? Yeah. And that opening sequence too, you know, that's uh Daniel Stern's wife. Is it really? Yeah. Rev. The Rev. Now widower. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Man. Great movie. If you haven't seen Chud, go buy it. Go buy the uh, Blu-ray. What year was that? 1984. Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground oh. Dwellers. So the name of the movie is kind of twofold. I meant to mention this because Chud is the name of the uh, program that kind of went awry underground, which was Contamination Hazard Urban Disposal. Yep. And then there's a sequel to this movie called Chud 2, Chud the Bud, and we don't know what that's about because I don't think we've seen it. I think I have seen that in, you know, like, threw it on while I was working. I remember it being pretty shitty. All right, so... Chud the Bud. Listeners, friends, please uh, drop some comments on uh, Chud the Bud. Let us know what that's all about. All right. All right, John. So that was, what, 1984? It was. Well, 1985. Hmm. Another film was born. This movie we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, however, we'd be totally remiss not to mention this Tom Holland film, 1985, Fright Night. 
What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to... So, this movie starring Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, and a man named Stephen Friggin' Jeffries. <laughs> Stephen Jeffries' character in this movie is Evil Ed. All right, so... <laughs> Evil Ed, in my opinion. Brewster. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's ridiculous, man. This guy's got it all going on. Um, he's smart. He is kind of that, like... Uh, Handsome? He's... <laughs> no, he's not. He's smart. Uh, <laughs> no, but he... So he's that, like, reliable, like, source of information. He's kind of like the encyclopedia. So sure. he's the person that, like, rounds out and quickly, like, rationalizes what's irrational. Yeah. Because he's like, okay. And that moment when he and Brewster are having the conversation, he's like, far be it for me to take a fool's money. <laughs> you know, when, they're, when, he's, when Brewster's, like, desperately trying to get answers. And uh, and then Evil Ed like throws his pencil down and leans back in his chair and he like rubs his forehead and he's like, "Where and when do you expect the vampire to attack?" Like he's exhausted from having that same conversation yeah. like forty times that day. So he like instantly creates this grounded reality of like, "Okay, this is something that happens here, right?" Um, and uh, he he just does that super super effectively. So he's the link to the supernatural world. Um, and it's funny because he's, he's more of a reality than the, the TV star, you know, uh, the Roddy McDowell character um, who on the surface is, is, the, is the Vincent Price, like, because uh, his name's what, Peter Vincent? Yeah. yeah. So he's the Vincent Price sort of uh, character. Like Peter Cushing and, yeah. And Vincent, I think that's how they, yeah. they came up with his name was a mix between Peter Cushing and Vince Price. Uh, but he's also comical. Uh, he's good to Brewster's girl, um, to Amy. And he knows how to have a good laugh. Um, however, are you familiar with some of the other titles he starred in? Yeah, I mean, we've. I think we've been through this. 976 Evil is a great movie yep. that he was in. But That's after a, that, go Also, ahead. Uh, the only one Robert Englund's ever directed was 976 yeah. Evil. Um, and by great movie, I mean, uh, no, it's good. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is I have a cavity colors stay evil hoodie. We both do. Um, which is, evil I'm wearing it now. Yeah. yeah. Jamie has it on right now. And when my second daughter was born, I was at the hospital and the chef, um, in the cafeteria area, it was like three o'clock in the morning and he came out and he looked at me and he goes, is that a nine, seven, six evil hoodie? And I said, no, it's Fright Night. And he goes, same to you though, right? And I was like, yep. And then he just like gave me a nod and then went back into the kitchen. And I was like, dude, I will work here right now with that guy. That's what I love about horror fans. It's like uh, metalheads, you know, it's like 
people that only people on the fringe that like only those people know about these things, you know, 90% of the population don't. Um, Okay. So back to uh, evil Ed and his, you know, really engaging communicable and fun personality and how it went on to do some other movies um, by the titles of butt blazer. Oh boy. Leather buddies and private temptations. And there were several other titles I couldn't write down because I started to blush in my basement <laughs> by myself. Uh, so he went on to do some ad- adult films, but uh, his like manic delivery is so well done. I think in this movie, it's the perfect uh, counterpart to Brewster, who's like the innocent, like fuck off sort of character who um, is you know the good looking kid who's going to skate by in life comes from like a def- decent situation and i don't know like he's he, uh evil ed i think is the gravity so i think he's a great character and uh i think he's a great horror sidekick yeah he was the uh when you recommended this topic to me last week when we were hammered at your halloween party <laughs> i think the uh first thing i said was like oh you mean like evil ed and you were like exactly but don't pick him because i'm gonna and don't touch him yep um and that transformation scene um the like werewolf vampire Oof. transformation scene is one of the best in in all of horror so good so good so that's my number one buddy great so let's one head man to your number two all right so i'm gonna go to 1985 as well oh uh, called little movie Night. based on a book from stephen king called silver bullet it began in may and every month after that whenever the moon was full it happened again. And again. What was that? It's over there. Who put that in me? Nobody knew who or what was responsible. Come on. They only knew it had to be stopped. And my sidekick in question is none other than Uncle Red, oh, played by the one and only Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Uh, I mean, what what can you not say about Uncle Red? Um, he's just full of one-liners. He's full of, you know, he's like that guy where, so he's obviously Corey Hames' uncle. And uh, not only is he like a fun guy, but he's like, you could argue like the... Stable's not the right word, but the most caring person in his life, you know, like the mom is kind of, um, Gary even says at one point, like, you know, it, for you, it's just like, put you in the wheelchair, get you out of the wheelchair, put you in the bath, put you on the toilet, get you back in the wheelchair, put you to bed. Um, it's become kind of like a chore for her. So to have a guy in his life that wants to play cards with him and, uh, drink a little wild turkey while he does it, you know, there's no harm in that. Like a lot of wild turkey. Also create the most dangerous um, motor vehicle for a paralyzed individual. Uh, but yeah, he's like the enabler, you know? He makes the silver bullet. Yeah. The, the wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. With like the only two-stroke wheelchair in town. I, <laughs> on earth. <laughs> yeah. And when they're playing cards, uh, he, he clearly had a little too much wild turkey and he starts singing that song like, Piss on the Yankees, piss on the Indians, piss on the Phillies. <laughs> 
Um, his character is great. I love him. Um, so obviously he's kind of fighting the fact that there's a werewolf. He keeps trying to rationalize it the whole time, right? Yeah. Uh, and then at the end there, he hasn't made uh Corey Haim hasn't make that silver bullet, uh, which is almost like like a monster squad montage of them like making the bullet. And then uh when the attack actually happens and you know, you see the the guy turn into a go from werewolf to guy after they shoot him. And Gary Busey's face is just like, oh my God, this is real. You weren't kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But everything about him, man, I just love his character in that movie. Like that movie would not be the same without Gary Busey, you know? So every Friday I've been going over to my stepmom's for pizza and uh, like two or three Fridays ago, we went over and she had silver bullet on. Nice. And I walked in and I said, are you watching silver bullet? And she's like, I knew you'd know it. Yeah. She looked at me in. Not into my eyes, but like directly into my soul. And she goes, I fucking love Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> she would. Yeah. And I do. So there we are. And he tells, uh, he tells a joke to the kid when they're playing the cards. He says, uh, the, the, the bar joke. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Where he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. The guy keeps calling him jackass. And he's like, why do you let him get away with that? And he's like, hee-haw, hee-haw, he yeah. always calls me that. <laughs> Yeah, so good. And it's funny that he's like the most, uh, you don't want to use the word stable. Like you just said, <laughs> he's not stable, but like he's the source of comfort in the film. Yeah, he's you like know? the, he's like the best part of yeah. Corey Ham's life. If you ask me. Yeah. Great pick, man. So what if he drinks a little wild Turkey on the side every hour of the day? Yeah. Who cares? 1 PM. Uh, Gary Busey's a fucking national treasure though. Love that guy. <laughs> you talk, give me two whole lot of what did justin say like a lot of teeth a lot of teeth there <laughs> super teethy all right uh good number two good supporting act mm-hmm. uh, fantastic pick so i'm gonna head to my number two here um from a movie we talked about back on episode 13 and haven't spoken about since uh but this is the film tucker and dale versus evil that came out in 2010 Oh, jeez. Whoa, Jesus. Did you see the way those guys looked at us? Who wants to go skinny dipping? No. We got your friend. They captured Allison. Oh, it's the pancakes. You hate pancakes? I'm going to make you something else. Oh, so good. Yeah. So Eli Craig directed this film starring our boy, Tyler Labine, um, as Dale. So Dale's my selection. Okay. Uh, so Tyler Labine, um, Alan, Alan Tudyk is also in this, and he's Tucker, and I feel like he's more the alpha character and the primary character. Um, so... I think a lot of these films that we selected don't have necessarily like one solid, solid central character. And there are multiple like, uh, ancillary characters. Sure. Uh, so this, this, this movie definitely does that. So I, I feel like it's sort of a shared, um, yin and yang sort of, uh, scenario for Tucker and Dale. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going on the Dale side here. So, um, so, <laughs> so this movie, Quick synopsis, if you've not seen it, it's about these affable hillbillies. 
they're named Tucker and Dale. Uh, and <laughs> they're on, uh, on, on vacation kind of at their like dilapidated cabin that they just purchased together. Like this was their dream to have this vacation home. Um, and they're mistaken basically for murderers by a, a group of college kids and, uh, Tucker, the entire film keeps screaming college kids. Uh, and that's what he refers to them as. But, but Dale's character is, is so like sincere and supplemental and, um, every, like every moment he's on screen, it's a comedy of errors. Um, and it, like it's solidified when they're in the car, you know, heading toward the gas station and they look ominous. They get to the gas station and he's accidentally like creeping in, uh, in, in different aisles. And then he looks like the grim reaper when he like trips and when he's like <laughs> carrying that big scythe or whatever. Uh, and it's just, it's moment after moment. That's like that. Uh, but you come to find he's literally the most caring and um, kind hearted uh, character that exists. Yeah. A little bit dim witted. He totally dim witted, yeah. but super fucking sweet. Right. Very he, genuine and, this like really attractive girl is out on a rock in the middle of the lake and he's like trying to cover his eyes so that she, you know, like she's like getting ready to jump in the water and he's like trying to do the right thing and not spy and be a voyeur. Um, uh, he would also be a great counterpart because dude, like if you're going to buy a place to fix up with someone, this is the guy like he's handy. He, a hard worker, Strong. He likes to drink. Uh, he likes to play board games. He's gonna pull out your stingers if you get stung in the face eight hundred and seventy <laughs> times. Uh, and uh, he's uh, a fucking sweetheart. And he yeah he, to his own detriment. To his own detriment, but he he gets the girl, you know. Yeah, which is amazing. So this deep down is really just a story about the dangers of uh, stereotypes. This is about the dangers of stereotypes. Yeah. And it's really funny the the way it's delivered. Um, if you've not seen this movie, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, please do yourself a favor. Um, I know it it might get a little bit of a um, a rap for being a comedy. It it is comedic. It is funny. Uh, but if you like the stuff we like and you trust our opinion, watch this movie. It is one hundred percent a comedy. Yeah, yeah. But but so it has good. elements of horror. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. The, if you like the cabin in the woods vibe, get in there. Yep. Good one, dude. All right. So we're going to go to uh, 1987, a movie that we both love uh, the Joel Schumacher classic, The Lost Boys. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So uh, I think it's pretty clear who the sidekicks are in this one, right? It's going to be Edgar Feeling. and Alan Frog. Feeling froggy. Feeling froggy. <laughs> um, 
Oh, dude, just the best. These are two of the best characters in cinema, if you ask me. Dude. Um, Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander play the brothers in question. They work at or run their parents' comic book store in uh, on the boardwalk in Santa Carla. Dude, I feel like they do the taxes for this place based off the way they act. <laughs> I think the parents do the taxes, and they do everything else. They're the, uh, the face of the franchise. Everything Corey Feldman says in this movie is like, don't use that floss. Use this floss. Yeah. 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 The voice is Ridiculous. unbelievable yeah. that a child is making that noise come out, you know? So Just so good. unbelievable yeah. at the time. I think that's why uh, Sam is so, like, skeptical of them. Also, they, they come in, like, they come in hot as fuck. Dude. Like, they don't even know this guy. How you like in the town? Creep the fuck out yet? Like, well, now I am, you creeps. What are you reading, Superman? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have, you know, friends or um, allies <clears throat> in Santa Carla, that's going to teach you about what's going on when you come in as an unaware child. Uh, these are the two you want. They're going to give you the uh, encyclopedia that you need, the Vampires Everywhere comic, which pretty much tells you all you need to know. Um, they have... They have all you need. They have the equipment. They have the garlic. They have the wooden stakes already made. And you know what else? They're not scared to fucking follow up on their word. Dude. And, and they wear will, army fatigues. They will do as they say. Yeah. Uh, they will lead by example. You know, like when they climb up the ladder there in the, uh, <laughs> when they're down in the cave. And Corey Haim is pretty much like, no, no, don't do that. No, please no. Um, and he's not afraid to go for it. Like they fucking, they do it, man. They kill a vampire. Um, Alex winter, poor, poor boy up there just hanging, sleeping. But yeah, no, they, they really take the, uh, the bull by the horns there. And they even try to help Michael, you know, they could just try to end him, but they don't. Yeah. I feel like they're considerate and they're reliable. Like you mentioned, and they have resources. Yeah, but the biggest thing for me is that, like, they they actually do it. Yeah, and they actually. (laughs) The biggest thing for me is they successfully run a comic book store at the age of 12. Yeah. Getting ripped off by surfer punks left and right. Yeah. I'll be honest. If I went in there at the age of 34 with two children and there was a kid that looked at me and was like, what are you here for? I would be like, do you have any Spider-Man? And he'd be like. Read this instead. And he'd hand me kill all vampires and I'd I'd run. So Yeah. Destroy all vampires. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, those two they fight for I think they say at one point we're fighters for truth, justice, and the American in the way. American way. Yeah. Surprised you didn't pick grandpa. Yeah, well, he's my runner up. Yeah. The list isn't done yet, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you have, Grandpa the number five. You have three more characters from <laughs> Lost Boys on your list. Uh, well, that's a great pick, man. And I also love the Frog Brothers. So Love them. We almost named our, this the Frog Brothers Podcast. I also love our podcast called the Frog <laughs> Brothers Podcast. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll head to my number three. Try and follow that up. So I'm, I'm going to go back to the 80s, uh, where we've been spending quite a bit of time, uh, to a 1986 film that is a must-have, and probably my number one, but is not my number one, my number three, 
on this list uh, a Fred Decker film called Night of the Creeps. The night of the fall is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. They get in through your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. They are a new So this film, starring Rusty, also known, <laughs> also known as uh, I think Jason Lively is his name, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tom Adkins and our boy JC Steve Marshall, right? Oh yeah. So you got alien brain parasites entering human beings through their mouth. Okay, just just think about this. And then they turn their host into zombies. Yeah. So a couple of rogue teenagers start to fight against them. And this resistance is seated in Rusty and JC. So our boy JC is physically impaired, right? He cannot walk um, without the assistance of crutches. Right. Um, so he has braces. Um, on his arms that he uses and you feel badly for him uh, at the onset when you initially see him and then you you come to find his personality and you realize that he has more confidence than anyone in the fucking film um, including his best friend so his best friend relies on uh, the fact that JC is is a rooting for him every step of the way and, and b is creating this like roadmap of example to live by um, so, you know, his, his physical impairment is, is, is nothing in comparison to how emotionally, um, and emotionally driven he is and how he just kind of whips everybody into shape around him. So no one has your back more than this guy. No one is willing to take on, uh, what's that fucking unibrow guy's name? Biff. Yeah. When he he uh, he biffs Biff at the party, and Biff goes and he's like, "Hey, you were you were uh, fooling me. You looking for a pounding or whatever?" There was nobody says. on the phone, yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, so he he takes on Biff. Um, he wants to take on Brad, who is basically the shittiest of the shittiest. Oh, the worst. Um, and he's vicariously living through the other characters of the film. Um, and supporting those around him. And um, he's, he's like the most inspirational character and driven character in the film. And the moment, so his um, sequence when he's in the bathroom, we won't talk about yeah. what exactly happens there uh, if you've not seen the film. Um, it's probably my favorite sequence. Um, but the tape that he leaves for his roommate as the motivator uh, to really like propel the, the, the film basically into the third act uh, is one of the most sentimental and inspirational things that you'll ever hear. And um, JC is my number one, man. Like, if I had a, a son tomorrow, I might name him JC. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. Yeah. Um, it's been talked about many times, but their relationship 
you know, just like that little chat they have in the dorm room there. Oh, dude. Yeah, so good. Um, but yeah, man, that's my number three. Yeah, so good. One of my favorite movies. Totally agree. You know, what's funny is a runner up on my list and it was almost one of my choices was just Tom was Atkins. Biff. No, just Tom, just Tom Atkins in anything because he's always just like this sidekick role. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of maybe Halloween three. He's still the sidekick essentially, you know, him yeah. and Ellie. Ellie. Yeah. And then like the fog. Oh. This just a uh, fucking maniac cop. Great sidekick in that until he's tossed out the window. Like that interview, trash. by the way, with him on Maniac Cop. Yeah, one of the best. On I the love Blu-ray it when he's yeah. like, they really didn't want that fella uh, going too far into the film. They just throw him right out the window. And I was like, did you watch the movie? Because it I happens like, like at the end of the movie. Also, I just feel like he didn't like that movie. No, no, he he wasn't yeah. happy with it. Like, why are you guys interviewing me for this? Because I I clearly don't you like killed it. Killed me off. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry for those that haven't seen Maniac Cop. So. Get in there if you haven't. Welcome to a new episode of the uh, Tom Atkins podcast. <laughs> All right, sidekick, where are you heading? Uh, All right, buddy, we're gonna go to number four, right? uh, 1990. Uh, some of my favorite graboids on Earth. Movie Tremors. Perfection, a scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now. How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl. <laughs> Decided to leave town. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. Who could be doing it? Is that a snake? I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. How they get you. Good pick, dude. All right, so this was tough for me because, like, um, I didn't know if it should be, you know, Earl or Valentine. I chose to go with fucking our favorite gun-toting, <laughs> explosive-toting strangers. Uh, this is a population of what, like six in this fucking town? Dude, it has to be. And they're like, our numbers are dwindling. And it's like, no, it's literally everyone that lives here <laughs> is, at, is, at the, is at the store. <laughs> All right, so my sidekicks are Bert and Heather Gummer, uh, which is Reba McIntyre and Michael Gross. And they are just like, I don't even know what these people are, like disaster specialists or something, right? They are uh, end of days uh, prepared at all moments of all days. Uh, So they have a basement full, it's like essentially like a rec room slash like bunker uh, filled with fucking just like a wall of guns and they have like pipe bombs. It's completely absurd. Yeah. It's very absurd. It's like, uh, on like left for dead. If you go into one of the shops and there's just that wall of guns, it's like that. It's like no fucking store is like this in life. (laughs) And then the best part is every gun on that wall is already loaded and like ready to fucking go. They just keep pulling guns (laughs) off. Like, uh, but yeah, no, that scene in the basement of their house, like down in the dude, this whole movie it's it's totally self-aware and fun and light and whimsical. Um, yeah. And it has moments of, like, uh, claustrophobia and, and, and tension. Um, dude, dude, there's so much tension in this. Yeah. Yeah. But but these these two characters really manifest the whole, like, I don't want to say comic relief, because I feel like Kevin Bacon's character does that, too. And well, I those feel, two guys, like, yeah. Yeah. 
that their relationship is also great, but they are very lighthearted film. It is. Um, it's not too serious. It's super fun. Uh, and, and these two really kind of bring home like the over the top comic relief. Definitely. Um, and I mean, we wouldn't, our main characters, I don't think would live or survive without these, the help of these two. No, they, they wouldn't. Yeah. I, you know, what I love about this movie, it's a 100% group effort. They all kind of contribute yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. the rescue of themselves. And um, none of them would survive without all of them, you know? Yep. It's so it's great. It's saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Uh, but these two, like, there's that, that part down in the basement that I'm talking about when the creature comes in, which these creatures look fucking amazing, by the way. Um, but it comes in, and uh, they're just, like, giving, giving it everything they have. Handguns, fucking machine guns. But Bert busts out like this elephant rifle with these bullets that like they're the size of my arm. And everyone's like, oh, um, okay, he starts taking him down. He finally kills this fucking graboid and he says, uh, broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? <laughs> it's just one of my favorite lines of the movie. I love those two. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, that's a great pick, man. And I feel like they are supplemental characters to the film. Um, they really kind of push things forward. And I think Bert's the only like character that still is in every single Tremors. I think right? he's in like Tremors nine. Yeah. I, how many Tremors are there? I don't know. There was one now. There was the most recent one was like on an Island. I think was he in it? I don't know. But our boy Richard Brake was, we should text him and ask. Yeah. Dude. Fantastic pick. It was a fun one. I feel like yeah. that's like criminally under discussed on our show. I do too. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I have such a deep, like, long-standing relationship with that film because it's not, in my mind, it's it like, wasn't a horror film. Yeah, you know? it's like horror-adjacent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember just in college really, really falling in love with the movie again after spending a couple, you know, childhood nights with it being like, oh, it's kind of spooky, Yeah, whatever. And then in college, um, which was like when I came full form into horror, and just, uh, it was on the Chiller channel one day again, and I remember recording it, and uh, Jason, my roommate, was like, are we fucking watching this movie again? And I was like, dude, I cannot get enough of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then they did a, a marathon, and they played like 95 Tremors in a All row. Of them, yeah. yeah. Just so good. Yeah. No, it's uh, so good. It's one of those movies you can't like watch without smiling, you know? Exactly. Yep. Feel good. Feel good movie about giant man-eating worms. What could also, go I wrong? get real maximum overdrive vibes from just the setting, like you know, like the lone, yeah, no, no, I, truck I feel stop. that. And I think also, like I always watched these two movies around that same age. Yeah, maximum overdrive. Similarly, I think is a little darker. Oh, but, uh, definitely. But it has elements of you know. I love that movie. Coke cans spitting out and hitting someone in the yeah, balls. You know? Yeah, so it's got. But that like sweaty truck stop, like everyone's sweating and yeah, yeah, same thing. I'm really focusing on sweat with all your picks here, but yeah, no, that's what it is. My sweat list. Uh, we we were doing sweatiest sweatiest sidekicks. sidekicks right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm ahead to my number four. I'm gonna go uh to our oldest film to date here, a uh, movie from 1960. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock, called Psycho. 
Here we have a quiet little motel, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Can you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. You know this is the first place that looks like it's hiding from the world? I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them. So this movie starring Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins is about uh, a secretary in Phoenix who embezzles the enormous sum of $40,000, which was a lot of money back in 1960, yeah. um, from her employer, who is kind of a crust bag and des- deserves to have forty grand taken from him, by the way. Um, but then she goes on the run, checks into a motel, and a young man, kind of under the domination of his mother, uh, has an encounter with her. Mm. Um, so my character, though, I'm going to go Mama's with boy, huh? To the to the most <laughs> severe definition of that term. Uh, but the character I'm going to go with here is Mrs. Bates. Um, so, and this is a very atmospheric. Um, if if you've not seen this movie, this is going to be a total spoiler alert. So just pause here. And then wonder, are you alive? Wonder why you've made it this long in life and not seen Psycho, Uh, (laughs) or at least know about it. You don't. Yeah. Yes. So Mrs. Bates, though, um, is really just a voice in this film, um, uh, played by Virginia Gregg, like the nanny in the Muppet Babies, (laughs) (laughs) the neighbor in Tool Time. (laughs) Um, But uh, Mrs. Bates is this kind of atmospheric uh ghastly presence uh throughout the whole film um and this movie does not exist without her uh and she literally yelling at norman has been puckering buttholes for the past 60 years with her uh, with her sheer tone of how she talks to her son um but there are a lot of supporting characters in this movie um this is one of those movies i think that doesn't have a a firm central character. You think it's uh, Marion Crane. Um, and this was one of the first movies, I think, to kind of uh, not only show a, a toilet flushing on camera for the first time on a film, but also kind of take away your main character like uh, 45% into the movie uh, and leaving you wondering, what the hell? What do I do now? Um, so there's a lot of... Uh, shared screen time from supporting characters. Um, but the ghost of Mrs. Bates, I think is what really drives the drives the story. Um, she's what makes Norman kind of Norman. Uh, she is just in sheer presence, creating fear, creating anxiety, uh, inspiring death, um, inspiring destruction and really kind of ruins the entire ecosystem of a set of characters. And then they allude to the fact that, that ecosystem of characters um, happened time, time and time again prior to this, you know, uh, which is fascinating. Um, and, and the payoff at the end is, is fantastic as well. So uh, I got to go with, with Mrs. Bates here, um, just from the sheer uh, presence that's defined uh, by a supporting character, a sidekick uh, that's really not even a, a sidekick. Yeah, but the sidekick that kind of pushes him to do sinister things, yeah? Yeah. yeah. The evil sidekick. Yeah. 
So when we were talking at the intro, like this was really the pick I had in mind where I was like, this is a true definition of a sidekick and an inspiration and a, a, a motivator. Uh, but, but not a good one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's a good one. Yeah. Thanks man. All right. So I think we're at my final pick, huh? Really? I think so. And it, uh, so we went, my list was chronological. So we're at 2017 now. This is a movie directed by Jordan Peele. This really needs no introduction. It is the movie Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked, but he's... Blackman. <laughs> Black. I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> um, Such a good movie, man. So if you're unfamiliar with the movie, it is about a man who is invited to his wife's... Girlfriend. Girlfriend's, sorry. Girlfriend's uh, family's home for, like, the weekend? A little weekend party going on. And uh, when he gets there, it turns into just a mess. Yeah. A fucking mess. Uh, But his friend is kind of uh, weary of the whole thing. Once he starts calling and kind of telling him some of the creepy things going on. Uh, And the friend, who is my sidekick, is Rod Williams. Played by Lil Rel Howery. And uh, he is fucking hilarious in this movie. Dude, so funny. He's the comedic break that we need. <laughs> this heavy this story. pretty fucking heavy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Making them sex slaves and shit. I'm sorry about the shit when he says that. <laughs> when he's talking to the police. Yeah. Uh, love it, and man. And honestly, I think my favorite scene is uh, when he calls looking for Chris and Allison answers. And uh, I don't think her name's Allison in the movie, right? But um, her name's Rose. I'm sorry. But Rose uh, is, like, doing this, like, stoic, like, yeah. sitting there really creepily acting. It's Sc- so creepy watching her. Movie, it's so honestly. creepy watching yeah. her, dude, because she's, like, act, like, it, she sounds like she's, like, crying or worried, and she just looks so fucking stone-faced. It's so scary. Yeah. Uh, but he's, like, you know, oh, all right, well, I'm a little thrown off by the, by the way that you're acting. <laughs> And then uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to record this. And then he gets back on and she's like, you know, essentially like, I know you want me. And uh, he's like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. huh? That whole sequence is so good, man. And, and it's, it's funny because he's not like his character really drives the story, like a, a portion of the story too. You know, like this movie doesn't resolve without him. Yeah. So he's not just comic relief. Like he, no, he plays a very integral part. Yeah. Um, uh, but when he gets off the phone, with, the phone with her in that scene, and he's like, oh, she fought, uh, she's a genius." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, this movie's fantastic, man, and so good. Jordan Peele's a real deal, and every character I think is so well acted, and yeah, and every character like has to be there, you know. Oh, it's a great movie. Oh, the brother, the shitty brother, the the dad with the oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. And mm. just like, ugh. but yeah, no, Lil Rel, he makes that movie 
uh, you know, like he really adds a tone to it that it needed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, and like you said, like without spoiling it, you need him. You certainly need him. He is a sidekick and he's it. like, that's how I would expect you and I to be. Like if something fishy was going down, like I'm going to the sheriff's department, I'm going to call Brittany and see what the fuck's going on. And if she starts giving me, I, I could see her like sitting there oh, no, smiling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I feel like we, you, you have to, you need someone like that in your life who would. The dog, know. she paid the dog to give me a lobotomy in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Deep, great pick. Great movie. I, I, I love how well acted the, the main character in this film. He's just so, oh my God. so effective it's, and so well I think done. this was like his first movie too. So it's crazy. Yeah. And he was in that episode of Black Mirror too, which was great. Um, but that dude's going to have such a bright career. Uh, you could just see it coming. Sure. And it's crazy to think that Jordan Peele came up in a comedy atmosphere and he is the pioneer of, of horror. It right is crazy. Now. You just never know. Um, but it also just shows uh, he can really write in a comedic character, which is what, what, what he did here. Definitely. I, yeah, I feel like Get Out is one of those movies where like it kind of changed. I think everybody was at a place in horror where it was like, okay, we're just going to watch stuff from the past now. Yeah. You know? Um, and then this movie came out and everyone was like, holy, holy shit. Yeah. People can still fucking, and then Ari Aster and all these fucking people started coming that are really brilliant and, uh, changing the way we look at horror. So. Yep. Loving it. I'm with you, man. All right. Well, I, my pick is not, I don't think as good as that one, but I'm going with my final pick, uh, from a film from the year your wife and my sister was born. Uh, 1984, Joe Dante film called Gremlins. Ooh. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney. Be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never... Let them eat after midnight. Because when they do... This movie is starring Zach Galligan, uh, Phoebe Cates, and a little furry man. Not little named furry Gizmo. boy. Not named Gizmo. Oh. I'm going with Barney. The Golden Retriever. Oh, the dog. Nice. Yes. Okay, so I'm new to being a dog dad. Uh, over the past year, you know, uh, I've had our, our golden doodle for about a year now. Um, so I got to say this, it was a little rough at the get go, but I love this guy now and I can totally empathize with, uh, our buddy, um, Billy, you know, yeah, having this relationship with his dog and being like the kindest, softest man who's just empathetic and nice guy um and his companion 
completely suits that. It is reliable. Can you imagine taking an animal to work that would just sit under the desk at your feet the entire time until asshole, uh, what's her name? Ruby. <laughs> I, don't know, I was going to ask you if the bank lady. Ruby Deagle. Ruby Deagle is her name. <laughs> uh, Ruby Deagle comes on in and he's blamed for the death of Ruby's fucking plastic snowman. The dog is. Um, and then he's, then she, she fakes her, her heart attack or whatever. Oh, my heart. Uh, in the middle of the bank and she's just an asshole. Um, and then, so that all happens, right? And this is before the, the Mogwais even show up. So like, you already feel bad for, for Barney, who's done literally nothing, uh, except protect, uh, his buddy in the form of Billy. Um, so he has, he, they, then the Mogwai comes, he has to compete for Billy's affection and he's still sweet. Uh, and then he has to deal with the new pet. And then he's tormented by the army of fucking Mogwais, and he gets strung up by lights on the front porch. He makes it through to the end of the, the film, makes it to the end, and he truly is man's best friend. So that's how we're going to round this out, man. Cool. I was wondering if uh, we were going to get a pet in here. So, well, yeah. I brought us home with a pet. <clears throat> I, you know, Gizmo was the obvious pick, but I feel like Barney, like Gizmo, if you are imported from a foreign country... And some kind-hearted man, such as Billy, is the one taking care of you. And Gizmo does a good job of standing up against um, his shit heel, um, you know, colleagues. Definitely. Uh, but Barney is the one that's like still being sweet, you know. Yeah, definitely. So that's where I'm. That's where I'm wrapping us. That was a good list, man. Uh, do you have any runners up that you want to mention? <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I had a few. So many ensemble films, like it, yeah. you know, um, it, there were a ton of characters there. I had a, a handful of characters from the Halloween franchise, but I know we just talked about that franchise. Um, yeah, I just kind of hands off on that. Shelly uh, from Friday the 13th was on there for me, uh, for sure. Um, just because he was such a interesting character and um, still... I've been emailing Larry Zerner trying to get him on the show and he hasn't responded yet. I don't know why, uh, but <laughs> Larry, if you're listening, it's all right, please, Larry, bud. It's okay, bud. Um, but yeah, what about you, man? Yeah. So like American werewolf in London, a uh, dude, you know, um, totally agree. Cause that it, that's you and I, yeah. Uh, Tom Savini and from dusk till dawn, just like the image Sex of him. Machine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, this is a weird one, but Lori from Nightbreed, you know, I love Nightbreed. Um, you love Nightbreed. She's a great sidekick in that. Uh, and yeah, like I said, Night of the Comet and Tom Savini in anything. So or Tom Adkins in anything, but also Tom Savini. Lord of the Toms. Yeah. Tom, Tom. Well, we've got some, uh, good winter content coming up here. Uh, we're going to have some guests. Uh, we're going to have some recurring guests and some new guests. So uh, we're looking forward to bringing you guys some additional content. But uh, if we don't uh, talk to you before Thanksgiving, uh, we are thankful for all of you for listening. We love you guys. I'm sure we'll have a Patreon episode coming soon. Mm. Blood tastes like cranberry sauce, meanie. Mm. Might be a little Thanksgiving involved in that. But uh, uh, what, are you looking, what are you looking forward to? Blood rage. Oh, right? dude, we're going to watch. I feel Blood like I Rage. watched two yeah. movies. <laughs> Blood Rage and Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't wait. It's no. going to be fun. I watch those movies, both of those movies, once a year. Yeah. No, yeah. It, the thing is, is you can't watch Blood Rage more than that because otherwise it's not special for Thanksgiving, you know? So that, I think that movie is filmed in Florida. It yeah, feels, that feels movie like is, a Florida condo. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I need to like go stand in the rain for a little bit after I watch that movie. Acid rain. So yeah. Just burn off <laughs> all, the, all the shit you had to deal with. <laughs> um, but we hope you guys enjoy this um, and we do appreciate you. So uh, let us know. Um, drop in the comments on our social posts here. What uh, sidekicks you think we missed and, and who you would have picked. Yeah, chime in and then uh, head on over to Apple Podcast. Drop a review. Five star review, please. And then uh, maybe drop a little blurb if you like. If not, fine. But uh, we love you regardless. You and, yeah, and we do. And we love you. And we're thankful for... Uh, <laughs> For all of you. So thanks for hanging out with Look us. Look at you. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's on time, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>